off top. Your house is actually a collection of tiny ecosystems for thousands of species of insects and bacteria. Different ones can survive in the basement, then can survive in the fridge, then can survive in your salt shaker, then can survive in your bathroom, then can survive in your bedroom. And they all need each other to stay alive. Kind of cool when you think your house is a tiny little world for a bunch of tiny little creatures. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What up, Charlie? You just gave me nightmares. Yeah, it was weird. So I, I was reading about this professor who used to do like um, insect research in crazy rainforest um, places because he wanted to like discover new insects. And then he started to discover that there are plenty of tiny organisms that live inside of our house and insects that live inside of our houses. And the thing that like that didn't surprise me, the number of species kind of surprised me how many different species there are like thousands in each of our houses. And depending on where you live in the world and whether you have pets or don't have pets, you'll have like they can tell things about the way you live in your house. And no matter how clean your house is, these things still exist. But the thing that really blew my mind, which is why I highlighted it, is that it's an entirely functional ecosystem. So like in places where like your basement, where it could be cold and wet, you'll have an ecosystem. But if you took the organisms from your basement and put them in your bedroom, they wouldn't survive. And like in your bedroom, there exists like mites that survive (laughs) off of eating your dead skin cells. And then other bacteria survive over eating those mites and if you move them into the kitchen they would not survive and the same is true like in your freezer where it's extremely cold you can find organisms that live in your freezer that of course if you're if you uh, leave the freezer open and it all melts that they won't survive it's just a kind of crazy to think about like how our world operates inside your home and like how like I would have a hard time or certain animals would have a hard time. Like a polar bear would struggle to survive in Miami. Like the yeah. same thing is, is happening inside your little clean house. I was going to say your little dirty house, but it can be clean. Yeah. And I mean, microclimates, that's in, insane to think about. And also makes me, uh, you know, I'm doing my part mites <laughs> eat my dead skin. <laughs> All right. Well, the, um, the huge, Hugest organism. Yeah, I was going to try to make a segue to Tom Brady off of this, but um, I don't got he doesn't have any deads. He doesn't have any <laughs> dead skin for mites to eat. Well done. You, <laughs> you did it. He refreshed his skin so many times. Um, so, well, before we get to Tom Brady, I got some cool personal news. I yes. am about to go be a guest on The Daily Show with D.L. Hewley. I'm really excited about that it's pretty cool like that's like what real celebrities do they're like late night guests it's kind of weird because i don't think of myself as that this is so funny for the audience dominique tried to slip in we have we have a group chat for this podcast and tried to slip in for our taping time he's like yeah like maybe we could tape it around this time i got something to do i'm gonna take the daily show and then just kept talking about like the time to to do this podcast and i was like what this is an iconic television show this is what meant a lot to a lot of people it wasn't a slip in because like I haven't been telling anybody about it because yeah. I found out last week because like I'm not like a big celebrity. I was assuming the whole time that eventually it'll get closer and then like a real celebrity will show up and they'll bump me off. So I didn't want to tell people, but like it's day of. And so like I could have said, 
now I got something to do later so we can't tape then. But I intentionally put the Daily Show there because like I was feeling confident that it was actually going to happen. And so I, I had to push back today's taping 30 more minutes because I went to buy some cool kid clothes because I want to look mm. fresh. I'll, 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 um, you know, I'm not active on Instagram, but I'll get on Instagram and put up my my new cool kid options and see if I can like, you know, when you when a new kid, when a kid goes to a new school, uh, or you go to college and you try to trick people into thinking that you're like different, you know, like oh, you yeah. were the manager. Oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm opening myself up to a new audience and I'm gonna show up fresh as, and they're gonna be like, "Damn, that's clean." But that's... what they really don't know is like, I I'm actually not that cool. No, this is this is gonna be great. This is the time to bring the a game. Also, if I have a small suggestion. This uh, is the time for the Ashley Foxworth Instagram takeover. Let her uh, run your social yeah. with your at, with your outfits for like the next 24 hours. Yeah. I should just let her the following skyrocket. Yeah. I should just let her take over. She like does a great job for those. So this might be uh, assuming I promote my podcast on there. There are a lot of daily show viewers who are just tuning in. And so like Ashley is my wife and she's a character on this show and she is awesome on every Tuesday where she is kind of the best thing about this show. But anyway. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Enough about The Daily Show. Enough about that show. There's big news this morning. Uh, Tom Brady retired. Well, yesterday morning for you when you're listening to this. Tom Brady retired. It took over the, the morning shows that I was on. I'm going to try my best not to talk about it on The Daily Show. I w- I'm going to tell DL, no, I refuse. No, I won't. I will not do it. I, I'll i push. I, I'm going to take a stand. But the thing about it that's most interesting to me is, like, the emotional and psychological parts of it. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, he's really good. I think by the time you've gotten to this podcast, a day after you retired, you probably already know he's really good. You probably already know he retired. You know, he went to 10 Super Bowls, won seven and all that stuff, has all the records by a mile. You know all that. The thing that I'm interested in is the next chapter, in part because yeah. there's a a psychological component to transitioning out of football that you have a hard or no one. Everyone has a hard time, I think, understanding the challenge there. And by everyone, I'm including players like I was a player who had always maintained outside interests. And always kind of viewed myself as like more than a football player. Whereas I think Tom Brady, I don't think he does. And I think lots of players don't, which is fine. And Tom Brady viewing himself and like kind of prioritizing football over everything else seemingly has paid off for him professionally. But I think it's going to make it really difficult for this transition and all the success that he's had in his career He's been a part of a team and the goals have been clear. Like there's no, I think that was the the thing that surprised me about retirement and the thing that concerns, I, I shouldn't say concerns, but the thing that I hope that Tom Brady uh, can get a, a grip on is there's no scoreboard 
in that you know you won on yeah. Sunday or you know you lost. And then when you wake up the day after the game, you're preparing for the next game, it's clear what you have to do. It's clear what your responsibilities are. It's clear how to optimize your your life, frankly, at that point. The difficult thing about transition, at least for me, was it was less clear and it was the first time. And it's so weird because you don't think about it because you're 10 when I started playing football. Right. And then I showed like some talent there. So it be it started to ge- become professionalized slightly for me in high school. And then there's coaches and there's other people and there's parents, everyone who's kind of telling you what you should do next. And then college, it gets a little bit more intense where my major uh, was decided because I wanted, I saw the list of majors that were, that would allow me to focus on football. And it wasn't computer science, which is what I wanted to major in. It was something else. And like yeah. those things are decided for you. And then when you become a professional football player, like you, all of these kind of milestones in your life where you take more control of your own life for other people as a football player that doesn't really happen and your agent like helps you out with so many other things and there is no clear kind of pathway for it and Tom Brady I'm sure has been very similar and he's taken some more more control and parts of his life but that's the thing afterwards is the idea that there is no scoreboard and you kind of make your own scoreboard Whereas Tom Brady is, it's easy to dis, to determine whether he's had a successful day. How did practice go? Uh, he had a successful game, successful season, successful year. It all goes back to like the results on the field and figuring out what um, constitutes success for you, what constitutes happiness for you. I think is first figuring out that you have to figure that out. Yeah, is <laughs> like the first step, and then figuring out. What it is, is another process of experimentation. And so many of us, I think, project onto somebody like Tom Brady uh, a happiness and a joy that, frankly, does not come with success and does not come with money. And we assume that, oh, no, he's got this much money and, oh, he's got a $300 million deal waiting for him with um with Fox afterwards. <laughs> Like I, I, it's not going to be the same as football, and yeah, you can never as and people say this all the time that like you can never fill that void because you can't. But just saying it and experiencing it is a different uh thing altogether. Yeah, and there's something that I think is really interesting about that that I feel like gets lost for people who didn't play sports at this highest level like you did, and that's like. You give up your plan B because yeah. you have access to your plan A and no one else has that. Like any other field pivoting, um, finding something that you are more passionate about or equally passionate about. It's not easy, but it's easier because anyone with a normal job and a normal career has daydreamt about other things. And you don't really have that option when you're trying to optimize your entire life for this entire small window of being a professional athlete at the highest level, at the 0.1.1.1% of, you know, your job. The other thing about that that I think should be highlighted is there are no other off ramps either after a certain point. So like if you're listening to this, you have a career that 
a lot of jobs are very similar. Like you can do what you're doing somewhere else. Like you, you can, your law degree is useful somewhere else. Your, your experience at the front desk is useful somewhere else. Like all the other experiences and other occupations are kind of useful somewhere else. If you want to change fields, you can learn those things. That's one of the the most challenging things. And for a guy like Tom Brady, who's had the ultimate success, it's not the same, made a bunch of money. He's had a lot of yeah. success, but for, and I mean, he'll deal with this as he goes forward because like in the regular world, he has the experience, professional experience of an 18 year old. <laughs> right. You know? So like he has a lot of power and money and influence. So that's something different, but for people and he doesn't need to earn money and that's a great situation to be in. But for people who still need to earn money, which is the vast majority of athletes, like there aren't like if you fall short of your dream, but you've put everything into it, there aren't other opportunities that are similar. And that's even more highlighted in football because there aren't any other real leagues like basketball. You can go play in, in Europe and make some money football like you make it to the NFL or you start at the bottom of uh some other profession right and of course tom brady will have unlimited options yeah. because he's tom brady and yeah. you know people want to be around him around the greatest football player of all time right but yeah, it's not the same I, for tom you're right i do have a question did you like okay so i was watching his video today and i actually thought his this was like a perfect retirement it was so the opposite of a, if you want to google photos or the video of joe montana retiring when there are thousands literally thousands of people at a press conference in san francisco in san francisco and he's retiring um but i think we actually got like a look into his psyche and we got like this humanity and an emotional response that actually made me feel kind of sad um it actually made me think of something that michael jordan said which i think is actually an apt comparison here where we saw all these videos of him in the last dance and he was like of course i want to defend the title and that's part of the reason why he came back for the wizards because he never got knocked down off of his perch on Mount Olympus. Like he never got the conclusion to his career. I think a lot of people when Brady, you know, lost last year after his heroic comeback against the Rams, like, Oh, that's a perfect ending. It's not, it's not knowing that there's finality was the, was the ending that he needed. That was the only way for him to find closure. Cause he couldn't walk off the field being like, I'm still better than you motherfuckers. I could have won yeah. that game. I would have won the super bowl. Yeah. I mean, uh, his numbers this year suggest that he can still play. That's a yeah. unique thing for an all-time great. You don't see too many all-time greats kind of walking away. I feel like our memories of many of the all-time greats are like Michael Jordan, where he was still putting up points, yeah. but it was clear that Michael Jordan was not uh, anywhere near his peak um, performance. But Tom Brady, like the, the, like the raw counting stats of yards and touchdowns, it's like – you could throw that in the middle of his career and it wouldn't look bad. I mean, he oh, yeah. had more, he had more attempts than this year than he ever had. So um, I, I could imagine him convincing himself that he could go elsewhere. So I, I think we haven't given, yeah, I don't even want to put it on the table. I don't think he's coming back, but no, I don't think, think yeah, it, it felt final because last year. He yeah. Kinda, the only, the only way he's going to come back is if like something that happened in San Francisco happens again in the middle of next season, like, Cherry Lance, Brock Purdy get hurt again. And it's like, yeah. all right, ready-made Super Bowl contender, a quarterback away. And I, I, I didn't know even I was on this that. on Monday, but like I didn't crazy situation. That. I didn't even consider that. But yeah, that that is a possibility. Him and JJ White both you're just gonna yeah. be hanging hanging out, waiting for somebody to give them a call and they're when they're um a 
in week 17, about to go into the playoffs and they need a little boost. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right. Um, you made an interesting point when we were talking before the show about just this era yeah. of uh of athletes and I, I it's obviously an end of an era for football but it feels like there's been just uh an incredible era of all-time greats across a number of sports yeah i mean to me this it's like it's crazy that we have this coda all at once across professional sports and what i mean by that is serena williams retired roger federer retired tom brady retired lebron is Coming towards the end, he's passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in a record we thought was maybe unbreakable. Ovechkin's on track to pass uh, Gretzky's all-time scoring record. Messi capped his international career running a World Cup. Ronaldo had a slightly more ignominious end to his international and club yeah. career. Even Aaron Judge passed Roger Maris. And like, what I think is so interesting about this is a few things. Uh, normally when these athletes come to an end of a generation. And when there's an all-time great, there there could be a vacuum, there could be a void. And we don't think sports are in a better place than where they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people are like, well, this just proves it. Like no one, no one's bigger than the game. The game will roll on. But to me, I think the opposite way, these people have been bigger than their sports. And I think that's like tremendously important to what that means uh, because there's an entire generation of acolytes of these people that ha- are starting to fill the void. And they, like Patrick Mahomes might not end up with the same amount of Super Bowls as Tom Brady. But the NFL is in a great spot. You know, Luka Doncic and Victor Wembanyama and, you know, Giannis, name whatever star, yeah. Giannis, name whatever star. They might not end up with 40,000 points like LeBron, but the NBA is in a great spot. And what I think is fascinating about this is we talk about player empowerment and our friend Bomani Jones did an incredible piece on what LeBron's impact on player empowerment actually was on his HBO show Game Theory. And it made me think about it a lot. And what made me think about was that things are not perfect in sports. Athletes are making a ton of money. They are not making as much money as owners, as much of the revenue share as they should. But what this generation of, of athletes across sports has done is something that I think is you would be fascinated by. It's launching a potential billionaire class of young athletes. The amount of money that's been invested into sports because of these icons that have changed the way that we are interested, view, think, and consume sports across platforms on the field and off the field is making opportunities for guys. Like you look at guys in their mid-20s in the NBA, in the NFL, that are going to end their careers with more than a half a billion dollars earned on the field in their early 30s. And that's going to have the of uh, the like spider web of those effects is going to be gigantic like we want sports to change and who owns teams how they own teams how they respect players that's all that is how you have money that can change that at this point i think yeah i, I mean i see where you're going but I, I i guess understanding what what will actually happen as a result of this 
I think that's where we diverge. Is I think you're right. It's been incredible, incredible opportunity, and I have to celebrate it for those players. I'm proud of those players. I'm happy for those players. And I think all the players who came before them to kind of pave this way are nothing but happy for them. But I think what actually happens is kind of like this is going to be a a weird connection, but this is the first thing that came to my mind is uh, sometimes you hear people talk about how integration kind of separated the elites and and like all black communities. And Mm -hmm. it kind of took out the most successful and then those people moved to white neighborhoods and their kids went to white schools and uh, they started going to white churches and everything they started going to white schools and and what happens is those individuals become uh, to whatever degree that they can assimilate they become a part of the elite class Mm -hmm. and less committed to the uh, advancement of their group. And so like, it's, it's a bit of a stretch for like the, the significance of the comparison, but like, that's what I imagine happening more than anything is like, you're not going to bring up all of the players to a higher spot. What you are going to do is create uh, another class within sports, like yeah. these super athletes, but those athletes will never reach the level of ownership. I, I mean, I think LeBron can probably get on a team or something, but I they'll never reach that financial level. I just don't see that happening because if the sport's doing well enough for them to do that well, right. then yeah, the ownership class more. is yeah. doing so much more. Like you wait till we see what the the Washington Commanders ends up going for. Like people are talking like seven, eight billion dollars. So Right now, we're talking about guys who are at half a billion or coming close to a billion or surpassing a billion. That ain't enough to buy. That's not enough to compete with Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Yeah. My only thought is just it changes the power structure and the fact that you have guys who are being, you know, who have net worths like they own a small hedge fund are now the people who ownership has to negotiate with who ownership yeah. has to consider selling to at some point. See, and that's where I end up with power positions in right. post career even. Right. So like the, and I, um, the union stuff is interesting because the, the league will have to negotiate with some of these players, but the bigger gap you put between them. Yeah. Yeah. Between the top tier players and the like, I don't know, middle class or lower tier players, the less they have in common and the less they have in common, the easier it is to divide them and the easier it is to divide them, the easier it is to like put pressure on them and CBA negotiations. So while I love all this money going to players, if it's not like I I wouldn't say the word fairly distributed. It's definitely not fairly distributed. No, 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 no. It's not evenly distributed. I think it's probably fairly distributed the best players are getting the most money. I think still underpaid. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's two different things. It's not fairly distributed between players and owners, Mm -hmm. but once you get over to the player side, then it's closer to fairly distributed. Well, basketball is different because they have those max salaries that um, artificially suppress them. But the fact that the salary cap exists in general is a whole nother thing that I talk about every time I get a chance. So I won't bore you guys with that, but 
that that is the thing that stands in the way, frankly, of to me of the power shifting back to the players like the, the power that the players have is to withhold their labor. And it's really difficult to withhold your labor against people who are worth tens of billions of dollars. They can win a war of attrition against small countries. So I think it's the true. players are, are in a tough spot there. But anyway, I think the the bigger picture that you were pointing to is just like this. You touched on a bunch of things. So like on the field court, uh, these athletes that you're talking about, like, yeah, it's it's the idea. I guess we thought so many of the things that they're doing weren't going to be done, you know, or and so, possible to be repeated. Right. And yeah. so like. We always talk about um, Jordan as the greatest winner in part because we can't talk about Bill Russell in that way because we're like, that's a different generation. It doesn't count. Now we, yeah. yeah, it's like a different sport. All the Bill Russell won 11 titles. And we would have thought that that wouldn't, what Jordan's dominance wouldn't happen again, particularly in a sport like football. Brady won seven of them. And, yeah. and, what LeBron has meant for, and we could have Jordan versus LeBron debates, but like my, in my view, LeBron is, is a better football, uh, better football player. Yeah. He's probably a better football player than Jordan, but a better basketball player also. Uh, and my argument for that is post uh dream team. Like look at the NBA now it's international. Yeah. Like the people who Jordan was competing against. And it's, it's the same argument that you would have for Bill Russell versus Jordan. Like, yeah, Jordan played in a league that was more professionalized and more talented. So like, and Bill Russell also wasn't the type of player that Jordan was. He was on great teams and yeah, the league was a little bit underdeveloped. The league developed to Jordan's face and he dominated. It's far and away, in my view, more talented now, but like Jordan's dominance in his eras, obviously more uh, championships, but LeBron's dominance in relevance for the extended period of time and still won four titles may win some more, not this year, but maybe at some point like that to me is something that's hard to match, especially when you look at the talent that's in the NBA right now. But I feel both, I feel stupid both ways. Like I feel silly saying that it'll never happen again because like we we would have said that before, whether we talking about basketball, football, soccer or tennis or anything but also feel stupid saying yeah it'll probably happen again because who would have thought that we'd have someone after kareem and after bill russell after larry bird and then after jordan we get lebron and now we got victor coming in league who everyone thinks is going to be better than everyone else ever that's actually one of the things i think is so fascinating about this generation is after jordan there was a vacuum after, yeah. like, in the early 2000s of football, there was a vacuum where it was just empty and there was not this, like, insane dearth of talent that was captivating to audiences. Like, I grew up watching, you know, NBA games that were slogs of, like, 90 to 75 and Gilbert Arenas hucking seven threes and shooting 39% from the field and being like, ah, great player. But everyone's like, it wasn't Jordan. Now, like, the way that LeBron and Brady and Peyton Manning and Steph Curry and Roger Federer and Nadal have inspired a generation of athletes and, and bridged the gap played long enough that there's an entire developed generation of people who are exactly 
ready to try to not not exactly ready to take the mantle and be the greatest of all time, but there's not going to be a fall off. Incredible, no no fall off. And also, these people like unlike Jordan was like impossible to match. We look for baby Jordans, but that's impossible to find. Like what LeBron did is. Big guys, guys, Carl Malone size, play on the perimeter now because you're looking for the next power like guard. Right. Guys like Steph Curry. So if you're 6'2, you can shoot from 35 feet. You look at Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, and it's like, all right, well, now you have this uh incredibly insanely talented creative group of quarterbacks that can go to the line of scrimmage like they did and be like, they're 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 running cover two. There's man here. I'm gonna attack that. It's not just like here's the wing T formation that we're going to call in from the sideline in the era of like, yeah, I don't want to crap on him, but like, like Troy Aikman is throwing for 2,800 yards a year. And that's not like inspiring next generation of quarterbacks. That's going to play that way. Th- these guys have changed the, how much control athletes have on the field. And I think that's led to a product that is significantly better than it was 20 years ago. And that's yeah. fascinating. It happened across all sports at once. Yeah. I, and I think that, <laughs> You can kind of trace everything in modern life back to the internet, but I think it's it's accurate yeah. here too. It's like you imitate what you see, and uh, the like proliferation of clips and games and access to like YouTube tutorials and everything. Like I, my my son spends probably too much time on YouTube, but like he reminds me of things that happened that I've forgotten about <laughs> in in sports, and the idea that there are we saw coming up these young players the like internationalizing internet like help to internationalize basketball i mean no one cares about football outside of here but like the same is true for any like major sport that crosses borders but even within this country within uh this country's football is like you when you watch football you notice that these guys are more like intelligent and informed about the game than we were at our age. And that's part of the evolution of the game, which like leads to like higher competition at a lower level, which like, yeah, it's evolution. Like we talked about it at the top of the show and ecosystems like sports is an ecosystem also. And in those ecosystems, there are dynamics that create, that are um, created to cause to, um to help the players or the, the, beings inside the ecosystem evolve to better maximize uh the opportunities and that's why linebackers now are 220 pounds they're not 250 anymore because the game is faster and that's why you got seven footers like Wimbanyama. like if he was born uh 20 years ago they'd have said get in the post and he you never would have figured out the fact that he has ball handling skills and can shoot so yeah it's evolution so it's it's both ridiculous for us to say we'll never see it again and ridiculous for us to say that we're obviously gonna see it again by the way just before we pivot off this did you see that video of victor Wembanyama that he filmed it on his iphone it was like seeing the game from his perspective no i didn't see that I'll oh you do right that. now I need to oh see my it. god there's a they they show him or he shows himself shooting a free throw and making a layup and it looks like he's playing Koosh basketball in his bedroom. Like the, the ball looks like a grapefruit in his hand and he releases a right-handed layup by barely getting off the ground and he's above the rim. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. All right. Give me a second. It's in the zoom chat. All right. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it looks so small. 
Oh, gosh. The free throw line looks like he could like reach out and it oh, yeah. looks fake. The right hand, the way he's holding the ball, he doesn't even jump. That is ridiculous. He seems like he's got a uh, personality too. I'm looking forward to everything, Victor Wimbanyama. I remember when we were just calling the French guy a year ago. Now, anyway, this game is going somewhere that is impossible to follow. Like you have to be a freakish athlete, and we've had this conversation. You get mad at me every time I say this, but like. There are no young American stars that can compete <laughs> with with like the international players. Like the rest of the world is so much better than us at basketball. And like Jason Tatum, I guess Scoot Henderson, you're looking at him coming in. Other than that, John Morant. But these are guys who are very good, but none yeah. of them have a chance to be Jordan or LeBron. All the people with chances to be Jordan or LeBron are from somewhere else which like doesn't bother me it's just going to be an interesting experience and i I assume that we'll all embrace them because we're not xenophobes here in america oh yeah are we americans are becoming role players in basketball (laughs) it's a tough pill to swallow it's like yeah like luca Embiid, Jokic, victor uh who else there all the uh Giannis, all the best players shay yeah they ain't from here. That was the sad thing that got me with that uh, with Tatum was realizing that like I was, I was looking at like the that tier of players just below, uh, just below Luca, Giannis, and Jokic and Embiid, and I was like, oh, it's Tatum and Zion. I was like, oh, wait, Shea's just as good as any of them. He's putting up numbers like he's oh, yeah. Jordan in 1987, and we don't even yeah. pay attention to him because he's in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I mean Zion has a chance, I guess, to be one of those top top guys. If we had, if we had a, a, a all league draft, I'm not getting to Zion first. But yeah. I, I feel like Tatum had a chance last year. Had they won the championship last year, I think we'd be having a conversation about Tatum being near the top. I still wouldn't draft him over any of those people that I named. Uh, He's probably like the fifth or sixth best player in the league right now, which is crazy right. because he improved and is like. One of the best defensive wings in the league. He he can do everything on offense. And yeah, I mean, it's insane. The big guys. Uh, I mean, we could talk. I could talk about Jokic all day. The the Jokic and B matchup earlier this week when Embiid like said he's friends with Jokic. I know he reached for him, but like took it personally and demolished him in that fourth quarter quarter and put up forty six points. Like unbelievable. Those yeah. that those two guys are dominating the league right now. I like how you just went to Boston there for a second in the fourth quarter. Quarter. Yeah, I don't know why that came out. <laughs> You're not from Boston, but yeah, no, that no. game was fun. But we we got one more week of football before we can go all yeah. in on um on basketball. So we'll hold off on that. But um, yeah, I don't got anything else. You got anything else, Charlie? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I want to ask you one thing about Sean Payton. Because uh, oh, no. this is the, the other news of this. Okay. Why did Sean Payton want to go to Denver? Now, I know I know. Why Denver wanted him. And they, they no, no, no. no I, I, you, 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 asked, you asked the question. I answered it. 
it's money. It's just, yeah. just money. And it, yes. I mean, from what I understand, I, I, I guess we can't uh, report this because like I haven't done all the proper research, yeah. but I will tell you, I'll, um, I'll text it to you. The number that, <laughs> um, that I think that I heard that he got. And it's more than is being reported. And from what I understand, having talking to some people who talked to him, that that was a big part of the negotiation was he wanted a particular number met. And so that's what it comes down to. Like, I came down to getting that price. All right, here you go. Here's the number north of this. A Holy year. Sh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there is no salary cap on coaches. So yeah. get your money, Sean. I ain't mad at you. Good for you. I I'm not a hater. I just wish that um that would spread to to everybody, no matter uh their race or position. That is fascinating because obviously we don't know what coaches make, and like there's speculation that you know Belichick has been making an insane salary for the last nine years. Um that makes a lot more sense because I was genuinely wondering why he wouldn't just sit on the Fox set for another year and then take whatever job he wanted next year if there's I a better opportunity. One, it's money. And two, it's ego. Is we, again, like I bring this up sometimes when we talk about Tom Brady, but I'll bring it up when we talk about um, any athletes, honestly, or coaches, is the ego. We're all like, man, I wouldn't want to coach in a division with. Uh, Patrick Mahomes or man, I got to wait for this perfect situation. That's not how, to, how um Sean Payton thinks. Sean Payton is not scared of Patrick Mahomes. He thinks that it's a mountain to con- climb. He's not afraid of the challenge of, of fixing uh, Russell Wilson, his current reclamation project. He's like, I did it with Drew Brees. who had a bum shoulder. And even before he tore his shoulder, the, the um, chargers drafted Phillip rivers. I like I imagine that in his mind, he made Drew Brees into the Hall of Favor that he is. And he sees that that Russell Wilson has some talent and he's like, yeah, no problem. Easy peasy. He's better than Drew Brees was at his first stop. I'm coming in. I'm going to fix it. And that roster has talent and looking forward to the opportunity. And if he doesn't get it, he don't care. All all that that text I just sent you. Yeah, I mean. That makes a lot more sense because from my perspective, I was looking at it, I was like, what if this doesn't work? Like this dude had was considered like an all-timer already. Yeah. Seems like a huge risk to take. But yeah, I mean. I mean, it's actually not a huge risk because if it doesn't work out, we've already started blaming Russell. We'll just keep blaming Russell. Yeah, I guess that's fair. And then he'll, yeah, he'll be fine. It's not like he's coming into a blank slate or he's taking over a good team. They're at the bottom right now. If they don't figure this out, I, I, I don't imagine people are going to be like, man, Sean Payton blew it. They're going to be like, man, Russell's irredeemable. Even Sean Payton couldn't fix him. And just word to the wise to Sean Payton. All you have to do to not become a total joke, just do not send horrifically racist emails like John Gruden. And we will totally turn on it. That was the last, that was the last guy who came out of the booth for a big contract. Right. Yeah. And he became even, you know, even before, you know, he got caught, being racist, he also became a joke, which was my fear of like, is that worth yeah. it for Sean Payton? Yeah, well, I mean, he can control becoming a joke and being racist. So hopefully, hopefully he controls that. Anyway, appreciate you, Charlie. A lot of fun. I like this episode. This was a good one. Yeah, Christina. one of the best. 
Thank you, Sarah Abbott. Thank you also, Addie Cohen. Appreciate it. See you next week. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.